Welcome to Board Gamers Anonymous, episode 131, Gen Con 2017 Hotness. We'd like to thank all of the Patreon backers for allowing us to bring you an ad-free episode. You're listening to a proud member of the Dice Tower Network, dedicated to bringing podcasters together for the greater good of gaming. It's sort of like Voltron, but with better lip-syncing. Find out more at Dicetowernetwork.com. Welcome to Board Gamers Anonymous, the podcast about board gamers and the insane fun we have at the table together. This is Chris. And this is Anthony. And we are here, still here, at Gen Con 2017. We are recording just after the convention has wrapped up live here in Indianapolis, Indiana. So, Anthony, it looks like we actually made it. We did. We're live. (laughs) We still have to drive home, though. (laughs) During the solar eclipse. Yeah, that'll be fun. Let's try not to run into anybody. <laughs> <laughs> Which is not marking the end of the world or any kind of super catastrophe, but sure, that's a way to end a convention. Yeah, that'll be fun. <laughs> I, I wonder how many people don't realize that's going to happen because they've been focused on Gen Con. They'll be driving home today and be like, what is happening? <laughs> <laughs> so I got a 13-hour ride back to New York City along the solar eclipse track. So, you know, keep me in your thoughts and prayers as I drive those long, long miles back. And nonetheless, we finished up Gen Con 2017 and met so many wonderful people, and especially you, the listener. We got so many people coming up to us during the convention, and that was so much fun. We wish we had more time to sit down and play more games with everybody because the week went so incredibly quick. Yeah, man, it's crazy. Every time we come, you spend the first the three weeks before the convention thinking, well, is it not here yet? And then you get here, and then it's over. That's true. Just like, boom, we're done. Yeah, there are so many people to thank, so many people that we met, and probably next episode, when our brains have a chance to actually start remembering things and recover from this last week, we're going to go through everybody, because we really want to reconnect with everyone, talk about the experiences we had. Like, for example, we started on the line at Gen Con really super early in the morning, 5 o'clock a.m. on Thursday, and we met Edward from Heavy Coreboard and had a great time talking to him. And so many great people in media and so many great designers, publishers. It was just really an outstanding, fantastic time. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, If it's if it's somewhere you haven't been before, it's definitely one of those things you have to do at least once. Um, and if you have been before and you were here, track us down next time. Why didn't you track us down? <laughs> <laughs> or you might be one of the random people yelling BGA from across the hall. That's true. <laughs> Maybe you did track us down and we just didn't hear you. Who knows? There you go. And uh, thanks to our, I wouldn't say host necessarily, but the place that we ate every day at, Three Carrots here in Indianapolis, Indiana, they always serve great meals. So if you do come down to Gen Con next year, definitely find them. You're going to get a great, delicious, healthy meal. And uh, it kept us going through the convention, which was gratefully, gratefully, we're thankful so much for that. Yeah, everybody, you got to love the food trucks, but that stuff will mess you up. Really bad. <laughs> <laughs> Not to mention the lines when you need to be getting some games. Yeah, exactly. It's worth walking the 15 minutes to the city market and not waiting in a line. It's probably faster. Yeah, and they were open up early and they were open up late, so we had a great time there. We met a lot of gamers and a lot of people who were part of the board gaming industry. It's just, it's just kind of a fun time walking around the city and everyone's got those lanyards with their passes and everything. And you're just like, you're a gamer and you're a gamer and you're a gamer. It's like a, a gamer kind of utopia where everyone's playing games. No matter where you go, there's tables set up. People are playing games in the oddest places possible. But it was just so much fun to see. Yeah, definitely. So 
Um, we can't wait for the next convention, but let's not think about that yet, because today we're talking about this one. Uh, although, now that it's over, I can't help but think of the next one. Sure. So once again, thanks to everybody. We'll go into more detail next week. Our brains are a bit fried, so forgive us for that. But thanks to uh, Gen Con for uh, having us as as guests here and uh, the city of Indianapolis. We love you guys. Great time. So before we get into all that fun things, how about the question of the week? And um, I have a question for you, Anthony. Ooh, twist. Yeah. Uh, what's with the new website, man? Oh, yeah, I built that. So... <laughs> Surprise! Um, yeah, so we launched a brand new website about a week ago, uh, the two days before we left for Gen Con. So that was fun. I had to get that done. Um, <laughs> but the goal being, you know, we've been doing a lot more content on the website, reviews, top 10 lists, videos going up on YouTube. We're posting them there. Wanted to have a nice place that was easy to navigate, very visual, more pleasant to look at. So we we put up a brand new website. You might have noticed the new logo. That's our new logo. Um, lots of new stuff. And to celebrate all of that, we're having a contest, which started last week, but it's going for another, oh, about 10 days, I think, end of the month, um, where you can enter every day, I don't know how many times, 20, 25 total times, for a chance to win 50 bucks for games of your choice. So rather than me picking the games like we did last time, I'm just going to give you some money, you go buy the games. I think most people appreciate that. Um, so we're going to pick three winners from that. Uh, you can join, you can enter anytime now, and if you've already followed us on Facebook or liked us on you know, any of those things on Twitter, YouTube, whatever, you are automatically entered already, um, but you'll have to go sign up for the contest. If you don't do anything, you will not be entered, but if you go sign up for the contest, it will know that you've already done those things and you'll already have some entries. So make sure you do that. It's on the website at the very top. It should be the second or third article there, um, and you could win 50 bucks. Yeah, I think especially now this is something that you want to do because you want to connect with us on every possibility of social media because we have some very big announcements coming up over the next couple of weeks, uh, some really huge contests and connections that you're going to be shocked by. So you'll be able to win prizes, you'll be able to win games, you'll be able to win more additional money. Uh, and especially I think what's going to be most interesting to everybody is we're bringing back some old content in a new way so there's going to be something big that we're going to bring out officially so just there's going to be a lot of stuff out there especially on the youtube channel so if you're not subscribed to youtube you want to be on there because all that new content is going to pop up there immediately and since we record once a week but youtube is always updating you might miss it and you're going to miss a huge opportunity for these great contests and these great content yeah, exactly. So this contest, uh, you know, obviously there's a bunch of ways to enter, but you could also enter every, every single day. So if you had seen that stuff earlier, you wouldn't have been able to enter since last week. But hop on there now if you haven't yet um, and get in there. Get your chance to win. And as Chris said, we're going to have another contest starting almost immediately after that one. And I think we even have a third one possibly lined up for the end of September. So lots and lots of good stuff coming up. Stay tuned. Yeah, check out BoardGamersAnonymous.com. You'll see the new look, the new logo. It's everywhere. And uh, hopefully we, we'll see you there. Now, with all that said, let's get on to our acquisition disorders. So, Anthony, we saw an overload amount of acquisition disorders this week. So many that I don't know how many hours of podcasting it would take to cover them all. Yeah. But we want to focus <laughs> on just one right here and now that we think was pretty important and something that our listeners would want to know about. So, what do you have for us this week? Yeah, so the obviously there have been... So many announcements in the last week. Um, a couple of surprise releases at Gen Con, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, and then plenty of games that were just available to demo. Uh, so 
I didn't really know where to start with what I wanted to talk about. And I was really close. I was going to talk about Star Wars Legion, which we'll probably talk about next week when we run through the billion other things we saw at Gen Con. Um, but that was Fantasy Flight's surprise, not surprise announcement, <laughs> because of course they're making that. Um, but the one that I was, I guess, kind of surprised by, because I didn't know much about it beforehand, but we had a chance to sit down with um, Paul from the company there, was Quined's Agra. So Agra is a, it's their 2017 Essen release. Um, Quined is a... Uh, a game, a game company based out of Europe. They do a lot of master editions, but also some original releases, um, all decently medium to heavy euros. And so Agra is this big, beautiful board where you are basically taking these different um, materials and processing them and upgrading them and making them worth more money. You're trying to get the most money. You earn money, you put it in your little baggie, but you're also trying to fulfill contracts and um, make these you know, these noble people happy. Um, you have these different people you can go to to take actions. Uh, and then there's this beautiful like tiered track in this. I don't even know how it's built. You probably have to build it when the game, when you get the game, but uh it's you you move these little pegs up the board and then that's going to determine how long the game lasts and that's just like different levels of influence with different people and different levels um it's there's a whole lot there we sat down with paul and he kind of ran through the rules real quick and it took 10 15 minutes so it's it's a decently robust game but just beautiful artwork uh the mechanics seem very interesting a lot of different interweaving parts and it's one i'm excited to try out after Essen, hopefully someone will bring it back at PAX Unplugged and we can get a chance to try that one. Yeah, I really like the look of that. I I don't know. I don't want to say I, would, I was looking to take it, but I, I was <laughs> I was starting to lift up one end of the table because the game was so f- beautiful and seemed so nice and crunchy as far as mechanics were concerned. It seemed like a perfect mix of beauty when as far as theme is concerned, but really interesting and engaging mechanics. So this is something I know I got to pick up as well. And I'm hoping to get a play of this really, really soon. Now, the game that I want to talk about, and as Anthony said, there were so many different things to absolutely throw on this list. But one of the, once again, surprise, not surprise releases was Sid Meier's Civilization, A New Dawn. Now, this is a release from Fantasy Flight slash Asmodee. And one of the reasons why I was really happy about this release was Civilization games really have disappeared from the table. Now, Civilization has been in board game form for one one way or the other over the last several years, and it's kind of had different incarnations that were sometimes better or worse than the others, and it needed expansions to fix it, but I always really enjoyed the video game. I thought the video game was fantastic, and kind of like an unsung hero in the video game universe, and the board game universe the same way, it just was not getting the table play, so... You know, when you're looking at a game that was about building up your civilization very much in that 4X type of way, but with really hard, crunchy kind of mechanics to it, Civilization was always something that I wanted to get back to the table. And now with this new release, this could be definitely something that would, you know, be a mainstay. So what they're hoping to provide for this is what they consider last <laughs> lightning fast gameplay with decisions that resonate. Now, any civilization game is going to have something along those lines, but I think that the problem with civilization, at least initially, was thematically things weren't making sense. So if they can somehow connect things a little tighter, new gamers would probably be able to get into this game a lot quicker without having to play the video game or having to go through an extensive tutorial. Now, I, I'm sure... 
Fantasy Flight slash Asmo Day wanting to get new gamers in is going to look to do that. But what's most interesting to me here is, and what Civilization touched upon at least in its expansions, is there's going to be multiple paths to victory. That in and of itself has been the most interesting, engaging part of the Civilization video game that you can build up your culture you can build up these monuments you you could be a warmonger and just kind of wipe people out there were so many different ways to play the game and each and every way was a really fulfilling experience and it had so much asymmetrical gameplay that you can come back to this game again and again not to mention that the game looks beautiful so uh civilization a new dawn is definitely something i want to get back to the table and it's it's got to be it's got to be soon and hopefully it's nice and shiny when it gets here. Yeah, I'm super psyched for this. I love Civilization, the board game, but it's impossible to get out because it takes three four hours to play. You have to have the expansions in. Sure, teaching people takes an hour. Someone inevitably doesn't understand the rules and halfway through it gets really mad. <laughs> um, and yet, it's one of my favorite board games, regardless of all that. So this one being more accessible, it's based more on the Civilization six rules. It's got hexes instead of squares. Like everything about it seems better. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll see once it's out. I, hopefully, it, hopefully it doesn't take too long to get out. All right. So that's all our acquisition disorders. I mean, that's a lie, not a lie, because we have a thousand more. But let's get on to the games that we actually got to the table at Gen Con 2017. So, Anthony, we saw a ton of games. And we were running around to a ton of places. So this at the table is definitely on the skinny side because we could not have the opportunity to sit down for our favorite long you know, chewy two, three-hour games. So we got some lighter fare to the table. So why don't you tell us about one of the games you got to their table? Yeah, so stay tuned the next, like, two months. Yes. Because we have lots of games to talk about that were hot at Gen Con, but we have not played them yet. So that's one of the secrets of the podcast world. We don't get to play games at cons. (laughs) People like, yeah, it's so much fun. I'm like, I was at meetings all the time. (laughs) We brought them home. We'll bring them all home. So we got Um, some good crunchy stuff to come. Yeah, exactly. But this week, light... Light, simple, fair. Um, I got a chance to play the Munchkin CCG. So this is the new collectible card game from Steve Jackson Games, designed by Eric Lang and Kevin Wilson. Nice. Which is the reason why I was willing to sit down and play it, because you said <laughs> Munchkin CCG, and part of my brain started screaming. Yes. Um, but it's a lot like most CCGs. You have a hero similar to Hearthstone. It's one of the races and class combinations from Munchkin. Um, you don't get to make your own combo. They're all pre-done. There's six of them. Uh, the first one I played, I believe, was the Centaur Warrior, and the second time I played with the um, Orc Bard. So those are two of the combinations. And the game, um, basically, you're going to go back and forth. You level up every turn, similar to Hearthstone, where you're going to get a little bit more um, revenue to work with every turn. It comes in the form of money. And you can play down uh, weapons and allies usually for free so you're building up your tableau there and those things allow you to block certain attacks or protect yourself and a lot of them have special abilities um you zap them because of trademark (laughs) something uh turning them sideways to to use those things and then you have monsters and interrupts in your hand Um, i think they're called mischief cards and you'll pay money to play these so some of them you can play on your opponent's turn most of them you play on your own but when you play a monster, you put it face down and you put money on top of it. This is the interesting part and what makes this game unique. You don't have to put the right amount of money there. You could bluff and put too little or too much. And it's your opponent's choice whether or not you're going to flip that card over. They can say, all right, I'm going to run away. They have a runaway token. They can run away once. 
and then you get your money back and you move the card aside to uh, a special pile you're going to pull up later. They could say, I'm going to face it, but I'm going to put forth these allies and these weapons to defend it. Cool. You flip it over, you pay the money, and you execute the attack. If you didn't pay that guy enough, then you're going to take some damage yourself and the attack doesn't go through. So don't bluffing when you don't have the money is, is always a little dangerous. Um, they can say, fine, flip it, and just take the damage to their hero if they think you're bluffing completely and the card you put there isn't even an attack card, which you could do. Um, all of these things are interesting. If you do attack, the card goes over to your stash as well. So every card that you play that doesn't come back to your hand goes to your stash, and you're going to take it back in your hand for the next turn. So there's no permanent monsters on the field, just allies. Uh, both games I played were super one-sided. Thank you. Super one-sided. You're welcome. <laughs> I completely destroyed the guy who demoed it the first time um, in like four turns. And then the second time through, Chris completely destroyed me. Yep. Um, it's a CCG. That happens. These are starter decks, though. So I mean, I'm not going to say the game's any. I'm not going to even talk about balance because I haven't played it nearly enough to say that. Um, but I will talk about the bluffing. It is an interesting mechanic. I've never seen it before in this type of card game. I don't know how that's going to play out for a CCG, though, when you have people who are obsessed with the meta and min-maxing their decks and trying to get down to the finest detail of how they're going to play. Um, but who knows? Destiny is a big hit, and that's with dice. So, sure. And that's, I mean, you're working probabilities there, but there's still an unknown factor. I liked it as a game. I don't know that I like it necessarily as a CCG that you're going to have to keep buying stuff for, but I might actually pick up a starter pack to be able to play it just as a game. Uh, I think it's coming out February next year, so it's not out for a little while yet, but it was interesting. It's worth playing because it is a very unique take on CCGs. The, the design that Kevin Wilson and Eric Lang built, I think, is an interesting mechanic. Um, we'll see how it plays out in the world of collectible card games, though. So is that a buy, play, dodge, or just outright burn for you? I'm going to give it a play for now. I think it's worth playing for the mechanics. Okay. I would never say buy on any CCG, sure. <laughs> except for Destiny, because I bought a lot of it. Uh, <laughs> um, but in this case, too, like as a CCG, as a competitive game, I just don't know how it's going to work. So, sure. Uh, that's, I mean, that's from two plays of it. We'll see, but that's... Uh, I don't know. I don't. As someone who's played enough CCGs in the past and gone down this gauntlet a couple times, I know how serious people get, and it, I think it's going to be more of a casual game for a lot of people. Yeah, I wonder about that because, as you said, CCGs tend to have a very—I wouldn't say ravenous community, but you know, somewhere around the line of like, as you said, they're really mid-maxing. It's you know, it's like what board gamers do for the very last round where they just really you know, hardcore focused in. So when someone puts a deck together and they're playing, they're really focused. They're really just intent on having the best play experience possible. And even when things go to plan and they don't win or it's just a rough time, there's a lot of just kind of pushback. I wonder what this game is going to eventually be when people start bluffing in a CCG. Yeah. I mean, it, I can't say it won't work competitively because poker is all bluffing, right? Sure. Uh, and you're still just playing the odds. So I don't know. We'll see. It's it's definitely a very unique take on this type of game, though. Sure. I, I think the thing that's going to either make or break this game is going to be the boosters. Yeah. Because the one problem I had with the game is I thought the decks were a little generic. You know, having played Munchkin previously, 
what I liked about it was really the mixing of things together. And when you get a character, the character already has a class attached to it. So you can't separate the two, which I understand because you need certain metas to work. But at the same point, it's going to come down to the booster packs you get. Now, they did say that they're going to ensure that there aren't super crazy, powerful, overwhelming cards in the boosters that are just going to break the game or they are going to go for $1,000 and it's going to win you the game. So I really like to see that. Um, as far as the base game is concerned, probably right now it's a dodge for me. If the if and when the boosters come out and it's something significant where you can diversify the deck, because right now the decks are just honestly too boring for me. I was I was just playing a lot of the same cards. Then maybe they'll raise to a play, but right now it's just a dodge. Yeah, fair enough. All right, so another light game that we got a chance to get to the table was Scott Pilgrim's Precious Little Card Game. Now this is a Graphic novel, comic book, movie that I adore. Edgar Wright did an amazing job on the movie if you haven't gotten a chance to watch it yet. And it makes a pretty somewhat decent card game. And it's not totally surprising because what you're looking at here is really, you know, the original artwork from the comic book. And that was the initial draw for me to this game because the artwork is great and it's kind of existential look at life and you know how we play a role in our own society mixed with kind of video game violence you know seemed like something that would be fun to play now basically what you're going to do in this game is you're going to get one of the characters from the comic book and that person is going to be able to benefit and by benefit i mean be able to purchase cards based upon two qualities it could be work it could be music it could be love and the main market area is going to be drawn by the players at the table. So the players help set up what the market will be. You will use the cards that you play that turn as you know just a general deck building game and see what you have available, see what you can purchase, and you can make a purchase. And that purchase goes to your discard pile, not too surprising. Now, where this game kind of changes a bit from maybe the Cryptozoic, you know, typical deck building engine is that either instead of that situation you can go right to the fighting you can use the cards just to fight or you can buy and then you can fight but with one less card in your hand now when you fight the cards in your hand as we said i think in our acquisition disorder a little while back they're double-sided so one side has kind of like the buy area and the other side has the fight area so when you flip the cards over now you have the fight area now the, typically the fight cards are going to have a like a movement that would be on a controller and if you look at your you know, handy-dandy uh, player card and you flip it over, it'll show you what combinations of moves allow you to do a super move, which allows you to raise your power to a certain ability that you'll be able to knock out the bad guy. So the bad guy or the evil X might be a level 10 that you have to knock out. You have five cards in your hand, so that's five attack. But if it turns out the move combination allows you to do a three attack and a four attack and a five attack, well, now you have enough power to knock out somebody who has a 10 power. You get that. You score victory points for that. And typically what you're doing is by buying cards, you're building up a tableau that allows you to get to the 10 victory point limit. And at that point, you win the game. This game probably pays better at large player counts because it kind of brings a lot more cards out to the marketplace and a lot more interaction what i was disappointed with was that and i know this is a card game but it didn't have a lot of the wit of the graphic novel or the movie it was kind of pretty standard i mean the, once again the artwork is great there's a couple little quips in there here and there but 
it kind of falls down to being a very generic deck building game with, like I said, a little good art and a little good quips. It's fine. I I played it. It's going to be a dodge for me unless something magical does happen. But I, I think it's just it just misses the point of Scott Pilgrim versus the world or, the you know, the, the comic books or graphic novels. Yeah, I agree. Um, I wasn't impressed overly either. It's it's a fine, it's a perfectly competent deck builder, um, but there's so many deck builders out there. And, you know, from Chris's perspective, somebody who knows the theme, being like, meh, and I don't really know the theme as well, so I'm just working with gameplay here. Um, I just, I felt like there was too many opportunities to not be able to do something. And now we played at lower player counts, so it's, again, I'd like to play at a higher player count and see if, you know, that fixes some of these issues, but I don't really see how it would innately because uh, at the end of the game, for example, I got to eight victory points. Well, Chris was at five. You needed 10 to win. And I spent the next five turns just do- literally doing nothing, doing absolutely nothing, just buying cards. Buying cards don't do anything. Most deck builders, the cards you purchase maybe have victory points on them or something. But no, the only way to get victory points is by defeating enemies. And there were no enemies to defeat. So I just sat there and cycled and cycled and cycled and did nothing. Um, I I hate when games take away interesting decisions and you just have to wait. And that's, I I don't see, I can see that easily happening with more players as well if just nothing's there when it comes to you. So there are ways to manipulate that. There are ways around it. But if those don't come out either, um, yeah, it's a dodge for me too. Okay, so that's games we got to the table at Gen Con 2017. As I said, we have a ton, and I mean pretty close to a physical ton of games that we're bringing back with us. And so it should be something that you're going to be wanting to hear about, wanting to check out our YouTube channel, because those games are going to be coming out, and I'm sure those games are going to be at your table pretty soon. Now, with that said, let's get on to our feature review. So, for our feature review this week, we're going to be talking about the hotness. Now, this hotness is a special hotness because it's hotness from Indianapolis. Gen Con 2017, the hotness, their games. So, Anthony, what was the hotness from the floor? All right, so we're just going to run through uh, a bunch of games that were for sale. So, if you're, li- if you're listening to this to hear all the games that were announced or playable or demoed, uh, we'll probably talk about that more next time. Uh, this time we're just talking about games that was what it was actually possible to bring home, whether you know fifty people got to bring it home or thousands of people got to bring it home. And if you didn't get a chance to get to Gen Con, don't stress; these games are going to be for sale everywhere, whether it's your local friendly game store or online, and you'll probably be able to pick it up at a better price. Yeah, almost certainly. <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> yeah. yeah, some of these are available like right now already while you're listening to this. Other ones in a couple months, but they're all coming. Um, so first up, the two new releases, other than Scott Pilgrim from uh, Renegade, Ex Libris and Clank in Space. Clank in Space was their surprise announcement, which I don't think too many people were surprised by, but hundreds of people stampeded their booth to get it, apparently. Um, we were not among them because we didn't stampede fast enough. So, <laughs> uh, the Ex Libris was definitely one we wanted to check out. We got a chance to look at it in the demos, uh, but we did not get a chance to pick it up because it also sold out pretty quickly. Yes. Um, the other booth that had two new releases that we did get a chance to pick up was capstone with the climbers and the Ruhr. so the climbers is an abstract game that's been out of print forever yes. um, they brought back which is a thing that they do good on you guys yeah and then the Ruhr, chris picked up right mm-hmm. yeah it's it looks to be a fantastic game with some interesting mechanics as far as using dice for resources so that's something we're going to have up pretty soon as well yeah definitely um 
Next up is Custom Heroes from AEG. Custom Heroes, according to Todd at AEG, is their best-selling Gen Con release ever. Uh, it is a trick-taking game with card crafting. So we'll see if I can handle that or not. <laughs> yeah, once again, we're looking at like kind of the Mystic Veil kind of, I wouldn't say universe, but me- I guess mechanical universe where you have these sleeves and you're sleeving additional plastic inserts to kind of change the properties of your individual cards and then play a trick-taking game, which kind of it's going to take a little while to get your head wrapped around, but it's sold like gangbusters and it's probably going to be to a table to you soon. Yeah, I'm sure you'll see it somewhere. Um, Quest for Eldorado is next. Now, we reviewed this just a couple weeks ago, and I have the review on the website, so you can go check those out for what we think, but uh, Ravensburger sold a ton of these. They were all over the place. I saw people carrying them around, and it is well worth it, so check it out if you haven't had a chance yet. Yeah, it's a a fun, engaging game, and they were flying off the shelves while we were there. Yeah, definitely. Um, Catalyst had Dragonfire, so this is D&D version of their Shadowrun Crossfire game that was out of print for a while, so... That alone got me in on it. We'll see how it plays. <laughs> and it seems to have a lot of support that they had an expansion available and they were promoting two additional expansions upcoming. So it seems like they got the original version of this nicely lined up for just kind of continual support. I hope so. Yeah, I love Shadowrun Crossfire. It's too, way too hard. So hopefully this fixes that. But with the D&D theme, that'll be great. Um, Whistle Stop also sold out from Bezier Games, um, but they said it'll be in stores like next week, so you should be able to pick that up. Yeah, and that seemed to be, from what I was hearing, the hottest game of the con. Everybody was talking about Whistle Stop and were people saying, what game was the hottest or what game should I pick up? I heard other people telling other people, go pick up Whistle Stop. So I'm sorry that ran out super quick, but that seems to be a really interesting game and something new for Bezier Games. Um, we stopped by uh, Smirk and Dagger, talked with our buddy Kurt about Paramedics Clear. So this is a game we got a chance to see the prototype of a couple times at Origins and then at Dexcon. Um, but the final version was out, and it sold pretty well for them. Sure. And this seems to be a game that's actually fun and engaging enough for serious board gamers as far as you really have to think strategically in advance and far in advance to actually play this game, which seems to be just kind of a fun kind of party game, but it's actually a little more deeper than that. Yep. Um, next up on the sold out train is photosynthesis. That's a hard word to say. Um, that's from blue orange games. So they obviously also had King Domino there, but this one they had limited copies of and it sold fast. Yeah. That looks like a beautiful game. There was one table and we kind of circled around that table like a tree looking for sunshine, (laughs) but we could not get any of it. So uh, we're looking forward to playing this in the future, and uh, I'm sure you'll get to the table as well. Yep. All right. Next up here, Dragon Island from R&R Games. Dragon Island, we both talked about in our acquisition disorders in the last couple months. Um, Mike Fitzgerald's first board game. Shocker, right? Yeah, I know. I was surprised. <laughs> and we actually picked up a copy of this, and we'll have a review upcoming, so stay tuned. Yep. Um, Century Golem Edition. Uh, I'm not sure the exact title on that, but it's the, just a retheme of Century Spice Road. Yes. But they brought a ton, and they sold a ton, and they gave away a ton. Yeah, they were really nice to offer the first 50 people a copy of this. And this was something that was so so sought after that I actually waited online at the opening of the con just for this. But it looks phenomenal. Now, don't worry. If you have Century Spice Road, it's no different. It's it's literally a pasted-on theme. Yeah, I'm still annoyed, though, because I prefer this pasted-on theme. (laughs) It's really beautiful paste. Yeah. (laughs) Um. 
Next up was the big surprise release because we knew it was coming, but we didn't think they'd have it. it. Was Twilight Imperium Four? Yes, which once again was kind of like a really nice thing to drop during a con where in a con where you every drop is kind of known weeks in advance. Yeah, and it's literally the only way I ever would have picked it up is standing in line and like, do you want this? And I'm like, fine, <laughs> <laughs> done. <laughs> because if I have to. Um, First Martians. Now, we have the full long review of this over on um, Every Night is Game Night. We talked about it last week. But it is uh, it was first release. This is the debut release at a con. So a lot of people were carrying this one around. Yeah, people were talking about it. It was a little contentious as far as the rule book was concerned. But generally, it was thought that uh, the gameplay is worth it in the long run. But lots of chop through on the way in. Yeah, no kidding. Um, WizKids, their quick sellout was Expanse the Board Game, or The Expanse the Board Game. So this is the new Jeff Engelstein title that's apparently some kind of Twilight Struggle-ish game. We'll see how it plays out. Yeah, bad time to release a Twilight Struggle game in this kind of situation because there's so many versions of that out there. But if you really love that IP, then you're, you cannot be happier. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's why I bought it. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, Greater Than Games, their big sellout was Spirit Island. So this one has been available in various places. I think it was Kickstarter originally, so some people have it. But this was the first major release, and there were no copies left yesterday. So yeah, <laughs> so upset. <laughs> um, Queen Games, their big release was Immortals. This sure. is version 3.0 of the Cube Tower, but a very interesting version. It yeah. looks like I never can turn down a Cube Tower. So sure, let's bring Immortals to the table. Yeah, I mean, I would have bought it if I didn't already have Shogun Super Big Box, whatever they call it. So Yeah, I have America, but I still like Cube Tower. So you, true. anytime you throw a Cube Tower and I'm in, and uh, just briefly, Merlin was at the table. Yes. So that was really nice to see, although once again, we could not summon up the magic to sit down at a chair. <laughs> we literally had a meeting across the aisle while that table was empty. By the time our meeting was done, it was not empty anymore. Yeah. I was like, no! <laughs> yeah, that'll be an Essen release and hopefully we'll pop up at PAX Unplugged. Yeah. Um, Mattel was at Gen Con for the first time in six years. So that was fun. Yeah. And they actually had a what they consider a heavy game, Wizards yep. Wanted. Yeah, that was a big surprise for the con. And uh, I guess a welcome surprise as well. It's nice to see them there. They were really hospitable and really excited to be back after so many years. Their booth was <laughs> phenomenal. I mean, talk about having just giant, giant wads of money to throw at a convention. They won't be at any other conventions anytime soon, so this might be a game that you may want to play, but uh, Anthony will have a review of this at some point, right? Yeah, hopefully. Well, I haven't made a schedule yet. It's in the pile, guys. <laughs> at some point in the future! <laughs> um, another game that I was really excited to take a look at, because it's been on my acquisition disorder list for a while, was Summit from Inside Up. Oh, yeah. So this is a cooperative, solo, or competitive game about mountain climbing. So there will be three different or one very long review coming sometime soon for that. I'm looking forward to the retheme of the Game of Thrones version of this because <laughs> after last night's episode, I think it's very apropos. Uh, yeah, this looks like a, a really dynamic gaming experience. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then last but not least, Haba had early copies of Rhino Hero Super Battle. Nice. Which I totally picked up because it came with a cape and a special bag. Yes, it came with a cape, which he refuses to not take off. Even on this podcast, he's wearing the cape, and it's becoming a little much. So, you know. I'll have to take it off for my kids. Yeah. They're going to want it. (laughs) 
Well, it's made your podcasting super fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, there were other games that were released there. Um, these are the ones that we thought were the most interesting and the hottest, the ones that people were buzzing about the most. And most of these, at some time in the point in the next two, three months, we'll be talking about in reviews. Sure. Okay, so that's everything for this week. Please keep in contact with us on all of our social media because there is going to be more stuff coming out to you. If you haven't seen all our Gen Con coverage, it's out there. And it's going to even get bigger once we kind of recover and reboot. So until next time, this is Chris. And this is Anthony. And we'll save you a seat at Gen Con 2018.